Welcome to the Jeff and Alex podcast. I am Jeff Hillemeyer, and with my friend, Alex Gonzalez, we explore topics that help you be your best self. And we also get to chat with some great guests. So join us now on the Jeff and Alex podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jeff and Alex podcast. I'm Alex Gonzalez, and I'm here with Jeff Hillemeyer. How you doing, Jeff? Good, good. Hey, I got a comment. I love that shirt. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You like that? And I can gauge. Yeah. That's in yep, the you add a you in there and it, it'll feel real comfortable to me. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can take credit for both. You know, forget about what you know Blake and Daly and, and all of them are doing with Engage right. Ventures. We'll do we'll give you full credit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just as important, just as but I don't have I, I don't have your engaged shirt. No, not many do. Not many do. Is it a it's a you know rare, you know, rare, rare edition. It's a collector's item at this point. So how, how are you doing are you? there? You're, you're, yeah, pretty good. I was going to say, how are you doing? You're in your in your in town world headquarters right now. Yeah, sure am. Yep. Um, and you can see the Spun Logic sign again. No engaged sign, but uh, yeah, it feels like home. Yes, it is. Well, that's good. Well, likewise here, and I've been doing well, and like you, been and doing the work of uh, building ecosystems and innovation and all that, and. And uh, doing lots of interviews as well, too, just like uh, you are. Yeah. And you know what? I, I loved your interview with Jay Bailey. Um, I, mm. I, it was fantastic. Um, he's somebody that you introduced me to who I got to know a little bit. But listening to his story um, was really, really great. Um, how did you come to meet Jay? Yeah, you know, it's with the work at the Metro Atlanta Chamber and, of course, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's um, focus on growing in the innovation ecosystem period and the innovation community, which includes a lot of the folks like Jay who drive, uh, you know, accelerate entrepreneurs. But um, in addition, this focus on inclusive innovation and how, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, we think we may have to talk about it before uh, on the show, but if not, I mean, less than 10% of uh, at least venture-backed entrepreneurs are black, Latino, or women. And of course, what Jay's doing. Um, so we met in the course of doing all that work as he started launching Russell Center not that long ago, Russell Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship, for those who have not heard about it. And, uh, you know, his focus um, is to uh, really have this um, center right there, uh, you know, on uh, near Northside Drive and Far Street near the HBCUs to drive black economic empowerment and particularly grow uh, black entrepreneurs, whether they're going to be the next, you know, unicorn or whether it's going to be, you know, this, uh, a main street business, mm-hmm. it's just drive really well. So, so he's a, he's an inspiring guy. And, um, and, and what I love about the disruptor studio show with him is not only does it tell a little bit of that story, but his story is pretty amazing yeah. as well too. Yeah. His story is, it's so inspiring. Um, and it's, I mean, it's really unique because he, he sort of would tell, he, he came from a tough place, had tremendous success and then went all the way back down to, I think he, he said he was, uh, experiencing homelessness for a bit and then, and then sort of rose again. And it was very uplifting. Um, but it, I mean, there's so many lessons in, in that. I just, I think everybody should go listen to that. And I, and I love that you've 
pivoted um, or added to the Disruptor Studio um, platform to include podcasts. So now everybody can hear that. Like, you know, having yeah. Jay at the actual in-studio video would be awesome. But again, you know, 100 people can see it. But I mean, Jay's story needs to be told. So I, I love that format. Yeah, no, it worked out and, and it was really, and look, it, uh, it, it's always fun when you get to talk to, you know, I consider Jay a friend as well too. And um, so it's always great when you get to talk to somebody uh, like that. And, 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 you know, it's interesting as well as I, I've gotten to, and I mean, you know, it's, it's not like we see each other every day, but as well, I've gotten to know Jay spending that, you know, hour, just he and I, and this just, you know, as, as you know, Jeff, the medium of podcasting becomes very intimate, very, you know, fast. It's one-to-one. And, um, and I learned so much about him and I had so much respect for him going into it and then a magnitude respect going out of it. And, uh, he's such a passionate storyteller. If you want to follow him, but yeah, his personal story, you could see, cause he is really someone who builds, helps people achieve their dreams. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, helps you achieve their dreams when they believe that, that dream is, they don't even know they have that dream. They think it's impossible. Yeah. And he's so sincere and authentic about it, which is a big theme on Disruptor Studio, the authenticity of the folks who are, who are those leaders who are on it. And it makes sense when you hear his story about how he, his passion entrepreneurism, but, what I, but you're right, the, him going into the, some personal pain really made him that much more stronger. And so, yeah, yeah no, I would encourage it. Yeah, available wherever you listen to your uh, podcast platforms at Disruptor Studio. But yeah, no, thank, thanks, thanks for that. That was a... Uh, it was a good conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great. Let me ask you one question. Um, as you, you've had the opportunity um, to talk to, work with so many amazing leaders. Um, mm-hmm. So let's just take Jay. Let's take Kat Cole, Ben Chestnut. Um, is, is there, because this is something that I'm doing on, on my podcast, I'm, I'm trying to get into the origin story of some of these people. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, you know, Ben talking about, you know, he didn't grow up in wealth and, and, um, is there a, is there like a thread or a common theme or thread that goes through some of these people that you see in their backgrounds? Cause you do a great job of diving deep into, you know, how they were raised, how they made their way. Are there some common threads that have led to them doing great things? Whether again, whether it's building huge businesses, you know, social change, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I wouldn't want to say that it's, uh, you know, I, I would say disproportionately, um, you know, I, I guess quite a few of them have come back from a background that was not, you know, privileged, right? Mm-hmm. So you, I've had quite a few. So I, I don't know if it's a consistent pattern, but definitely I think, and look, I was when I was a G, as I mentioned during their heyday, and I remember the head of executive development, this is many years ago, at the time said some of their best executives are people who came from environments that were, that were humble. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's some, some element to that. Um, so I, I think, so there is some elements of that, but there's some folks we've had on there who, who, you know, who came from either middle-class backgrounds or maybe affluent backgrounds. I I think, I I think the consistent pattern is some level of authenticity and some level of passion that comes. And there's some event that happens, whether it's falling in love with what they're doing or whether it's something that happened in their youth that kind of inspired to do so, or whether it's something that made them want to pursue something else that I think is a pattern more than anything else. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, all that authenticity and passion reign through in, in all of them. 
Yeah, and I, and I would say, you know, again, you, I think you build authenticity, um, but that is really the element of it. So even those who came from a background and say, you know, hey, you know, they were there comfortable growing up to those who, you know, were scraping by or homeless or whatever, somehow the authenticity and they are truly themselves. I mean, when you whenever you talk to them, they're not there's not a facade when you talk to Ben or Ford Fry or Aaron or anybody or Tristan Walker, there's not a facade about them. They are who they are. And I think all their life experiences and where they are now and their confidence lets them be able to do that. Yeah, no, I agree. I I love that. So um, I got to know, because I see you doing so many different things. Um, You know, you've got a a big role with the chamber. Um, You're obviously running Disruptor Studio. You're you're uh, a part of the Jeff and Alex podcast, which is just blowing up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You've got the the family. You're you're producing a ton of great content as well. Um, and this is a topic that I'm so, uh, obsessed with, as you know, but what is your take on, let's call it productivity? Uh, how do you juggle the things that you're, you're juggling? Um, how do you prioritize focus? What's your, what's your strategy? I'm all about just rolling out of bed and just, you know, <laughs> what do I feel like doing? <laughs> what <do I> no, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Well, and look, I want to get your perspective because I know you're a productivity junkie, you know, productivity, you know, in terms of what you do, particularly from a tools perspective. For for me, it's about um, being deliberate. Well, well, I guess two things. One is even beyond the tools is being passionate about what you do, which of course is a privilege more, more so than, than anything else. So, when you do what you're passionate about, it actually leads to sometimes some counterproductive measures because you and I've talked about this before. When you love what you're doing, you end up um, becoming a workaholic yeah. and having to create boundaries sometime for your work. But, you know, to me, I, I would say at the highest level, to me, it's about being deliberate about time. And I remember hearing um, early on, uh, kind of as I started becoming an executive or whatever in my career, is hearing from uh, some, some folks saying, look, you need to say what's most important and how do you dedicate time to it? And so like when you're running a big organization, you know, I need to spend 30% of my time on talent management. I need to spend, you know, 20% of my time on operational reviews, 30% of my time with customers and blah, blah, and so on and so forth. And then work in a calendar that adheres to that Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you make a decision is that 60 hours a week whatever it is and so i would say that the kind of the highest level um being deliberate about how you want to use your time which means you have to say no to stuff i think yeah. that's kind of my first trick um how yeah, about you? I I mean, say that yeah. say, saying no is like it's really hard um and it but it's probably the best discipline if you really want to achieve something exceptional like i that's where i go back to like if you're trying to do something um difficult exceptional um something great or that you perceive to be tough or difficult you have to focus you have to be willing to say no to things um certainly to um offers or, or things that come your way but also distractions and and things that um pull you away from that um and so the way that i like to think about sort of at a high level is what are the key areas of my life um, that will help me go toward Mm -hmm. my purpose, right? And so my purpose being to have an outsized positive impact on the world. And I look at that through three lenses, family, dragon army, and doing good. And then, you know, when those circles can overlap, 
that's that's when it's a win. Yeah. Um, but when something falls outside of those, it's really hard for me to say yes to, or I need to be disciplined to say no to it. So it's sort of like you're saying, like if you're passionate about something and you're focused, it does start to create a lens of, you know, where should I be spending my time? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, and I think, um, you know, putting a discipline and also checking yourself on it. And it could be as simple as look at your calendar and, yeah. you know, you know, how do I, and, 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 you know, just take inventory in time and what those time links are and where it is. And by the way, I think part of that also being able to depart from perfection sometimes. So 100%. if you have certain elements um, and you got, and, and it's not, you can spend so much time on a certain thing. You got to understand what is the relative risk that there could be, you know, an email or a document you're working on or whatever. And it may not be perfect. You say, oh, I wish it had this, 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 and this, but it might be okay to go because you got to, you know, because if it's all of a sudden taking 30% of your time and it was only supposed to be 5%, you got to understand the departure point. But yeah, but this is where you got to have perspective how you want to spend your time. And, and, for, and yeah, for someone who's working in an environment where maybe someone could say, hey, I don't have control you know, I don't know if I'm, you know, working and what I'm passionate about, but I, but you still need to be productive or, you know, of course it's a whole different conversation, but I think so then it's like, what are the, what are the, what are the, you know, four or five things you at the highest level have to do to be successful in your job and in yeah. your life? And how do you allocate that time? Yeah. Um, which by the way, includes stuff outside of work too, because I think you could be unproductive outside of work as well. And, you know, if, if, how disciplined are you about spending time with your family? How you know you know whatever is important to you, that's how you, I think you have to structure a world, and that's a starting point. Yeah, and I think as you your calendar point is um, spot on. Um, when I talk about or write about um, color coding my calendar, it's a pretty simple thing, but taking like Google Calendar and and identifying uh, different colors for different types of activities. Um, so mm -hmm. for instance, doing good is, is pink on my calendar. So I can look at my week or month at any given point and see, is there enough pink? Some, some weeks there's too much pink. Um, right. and so that, that sort of eye level view can help, um, can help you focus your time and, and, and really sort of say, you know, almost take stock and am I, am I doing the right things? Cause you know, you can get lost in the minutia of everything coming at you. And if you're not isolating out, um, the things that are really important to you, you can lose sight of it. Yeah. And, and, and to that kind of, you know, the, we talked a little bit about this kind of the, I mean, there's a kind of strategic element of, you know, how do you manage your time, which, which to be honest with you, you have to get that right. And, you know, there's a, a colleague of mine, uh, um, uh, uh, she was a head of HR at Equifax for many years. Her name's Caritha Rushing, and she used to, she had a saying, uh, you know, a fool with a tool is still a fool. So you could have the yes. best tech, you know, um, around you, but, um, but, you know, if you don't have the, you know, the inputs into it, you know, the use of it, the intent of it isn't right. And I think that's applies to productivity as well, too. So you could have the, the greatest productivity tools. And yes. if you don't strategically use it right, it doesn't matter. That being said, though, um, and I know with you in particular, you know, uh, I'd love to get your perspective. What are, what's, you know, how do you, what do you use from a kind yeah. of, what are your productivity hacks from that perspective? I'm, I'm a bit um, obsessed with productivity tools and processes um, to, to the point where it's a problem. 
Like, I'm <laughs> it's making you unproductive. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Um, What's your color for researching, uh, you know, productivity <laughs> right. tools? <laughs> right. It, there should be a color. Um, red. <laughs> so here's something interesting about me. And actually, I've, I've as I've shared this um, with people, I've, I've heard that it's similar for others. But like, all right. So if I said next week, I need to be as productive as possible. I need to check off as many tasks as I can for whatever reason. Next week's the week. If I switched to a new task management tool, say over this weekend, mm. I would crush next week. Moving to a new <laughs> tool, it's it's weird. Like I get excited about it. I get pumped about checking off the the, the items. <laughs> um there is something to the idea, though, of, have, of when you move to a new system, having to rewrite and go back in your list and go, oh, man, this thing's been on my you know, to-do list right. for three months. It's obviously not important, right? So there's a, a cleansing that can happen <laughs> from that process. <laughs> so, I'm just wondering, because I, 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 have you been in our, in our you know, project management site for our show lately? I don't think you have been since we started it. In um, Trello? Trello? Yeah, so we've been using Trello to manage our show. And uh, over the last week, I have fallen in love with something called Notion. Uh, oh, man. It's, it's like... See, everybody, I'm learning about Jeff. We've known each other for a decade and still learning about Jeff. And here we go. So apparently, I'm going to be on a new tool every week. So. I'm, I'm scared to say probably I'm going to try to convince you to move over to it. Um. Yeah, but yes, that that's part of the problem. Although I will say, just for a second, on Notion, and I'm a week into it, but I've I've, I've heard about it for for quite some time now. It is um, it really seems to be like a great um, combination of task management, project management, um, Trello type features, calendaring. It's it's pretty great as like an overall dashboard and like managing a project like the Jeff and Alex podcast would actually be really great there instead of what we have, as you know, we have uh, uh, Dropbox, we have Trello. Um, we do some Google drive for, um, for creating the show note. Like we have all these tools. Yeah. Presumably you can do almost all of that within notion and we can see it all at the same time. So anyways, I digress, but it gets me pumped up <laughs> to think about a new tool <laughs> and getting it all set up. So I've spent a lot of time over the last week on that. Now, do you know from a calendar standpoint, how do you, what's your kind of, is there a calendar that you're more efficient on, which, which, which is, it seems odd, but it's becoming a real, mm-hmm. you know, thing, particularly in this world where people now, you know, this is where of course, Tope here in, in Atlanta with Calendly has done an amazing thing in terms of calendar management um, for yeah. scheduling, which helps one dimension, but in terms of calendaring, um, mm-hmm. do you have a process or technique and how you manage? Well, I guess and, you mentioned color coding, but yeah, well, and just on Calendly, I mean, talk about a business that's doing incredibly well during COVID. I mean, oh, yeah. um, you know, so there's some businesses that really are needed more during a time like this. Um, yeah, no, I prefer Google calendar, um, with, with all the functions that come along with it, but I will say, um, and certainly color coding, but, um, I use my iPad pro quite a bit to work and, um, the, you know, Apple loves to make their, Mm -hmm. their own products work better in their own system. (laughs) So unfortunately 
for the first time in a long time, I'm actually using um, Google or uh, Apple's calendar app too. Um, so behind the curtains, everyone, <laughs> as we start working together, you know, I'm an Apple guy pretty much. Yeah. And not that Jeff isn't, but you know, if it, oh, we, yeah, start, start Mac, seeing, yeah. we, we started realizing he's like, I've not received your invitation and which, you know, I'm still mm-hmm. convinced he has me on auto decline for part of his efficiency hack but but like a- apple's calendar doesn't let you color code yeah the way that i'm talking about yeah you, you can't do it in apple calendar so like there's just some stuff i'm like man if they just had this one thing or for instance i use gmail and one of the things i love about gmail talking about productivity is the the ability to snooze an email i don't know if you use that feature in email do you no i have not actually i've not used that yeah so basically like let's say that um Let's say that uh, I send you an email about, um, let's say we're going to record this coming Saturday and I send you an email with a bunch of thoughts on stuff I'd love to talk about. That email today may not be relevant, but you can snooze it to pop back up in your inbox on Saturday morning or Friday to review. So you can basically take things out of your inbox, but they pop back up at the right time. But, you know, Apple, Apple mail doesn't, doesn't have that feature. Um, So there's just, there's, there's things that I like in different platforms, but Google's usually have the the nerdier things like that, that, that yeah. allow me to be more productive. Which, you know, kind of when you think of the ethos of Apple and Google, Google's being more of the, you know, the engineering driven company and, and uh, yeah. Apple being the more design company. So it kind of, it'll be beautiful in Apple though. It'll be That's beautiful right. in Apple. But, you 100%. Know. <laughs> you know, do, now I, I find, I think, you know, kind of going to this, there's elements again of the tools, um, which there's so many, cause you also mentioned the other element, there's project management. Like I'm a visual uh, person. Mm. And, um, and one thing I missed during this kind of COVID element from not having, uh, you know, a, a normal, you know, all the apertures of a normal office environment is frankly whiteboards yeah, and, and, and flip charts and sticky notes. And, and so my chaos is actually my organization. Cause to me, it's like getting a lot of sometimes getting stuff in this digital box here does not process well with my brain. So getting it to spread out and seeing it listed out and there's that, there's that, there's that, and being able to kind of visually move stuff around is important, which by the way is why I kind of like that, you know, Trello um, somewhat from project management, because it's kind of simulating that as well too. Um, But, um, but, but I think, you know, but I think it still goes back a lot of it too, is staying disciplined. And also when you, I think a big another productivity hack for me is is which could be counterintuitive. It's also creating space to breathe and think as well. We talked a little bit about in the prior show about you know needing that just to be more passionate and, and empowered and creative. But I think that's I think that's important for productivity because, and especially in this world now where you're in these twelve hour Zoom days, you got to have yeah. some space. And, and even before this, there's nothing worse than, you know, being 6 p.m. And you're like, I have not had two minutes. And so it's a tough discipline to have because people want so much of your time. Yeah. But creating that space to think, email, social media, whatever it is, is important. How, how are you keeping track? Like, what, what do you use for a to-do system as an example? Like, where are you keep it? Is it just a list you write down? Like, I got to get this done keep it in your head do you have yeah, yeah well i you know, i try to put it i have a, a list down but actually i use um as simple as it is the task features um that's integrated across you know with my iphone and all that and uh all my tech uh and again it's tricky too because i you know use you know apple at home 
from an office standpoint, it's on a Microsoft platform. So it's still a little bit of all that element, but I, I use really a task and try to be more disciplined about, you know, what are the dates being realistic and when does it have to happen? Um, but so that's but you, using, a, but it's basically a to-do list for me. Yeah. But you, you use, you have Microsoft at home? No, from a office standpoint, it's Microsoft. Oh, yeah. Got it. You mean, but you because mean, my, yeah. because iPhone, you're connected with the whole time, you know, and, uh, um, uh, you know, and even when I do writing and things like that, even if it's, you know, sometimes I'll do it on my Mac and send it to, you know, or, or, mm -hmm. you know, Microsoft product or whatever, the Surface, just because I like the Apple products better. But yeah, um, but see, like a that's productivity an issue, but more of an efficient, but just for me, it helps me work more efficiently because I know where everything's at, you know. Right, right. It, that That's part of my problem, though, of the being really into productivity and tools and things like that makes it hard for me to use Apple's tools for those things because they don't work on non-Apple products, yeah. um, which, which just really bugs me. Like there's definitely things that I really like that Apple builds, but like Apple, like a great example, Apple podcasts, like it's definitely yeah. the best podcast app, which, you know, they're all pretty simple, but it's the best. It only works on Apple devices. And so my phone's Android. So, you know, your, your surface example, like yeah. I would, I would try, I'm personally trying not to use tools that don't work across all any platform. Yeah. So tomorrow I need to jump onto something, boom, I've got access. So that versus like the design of it or the simplicity of it that just works with Apple products. That's a fantastic thing about Apple. Um, but like contacts, like I, I will never have Apple contacts. I, yeah, iCloud contacts be my main contact hub because it just doesn't work on anything non-Apple, right? So so I use Google, which can go across all of them. So um, it's just, it's 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 your point. It's the difference between Google and Apple. Um, you know, yeah. the design aesthetics, like the devices, the laptop, the iPad, fantastic from an Apple perspective. Hey, yeah, and it's interesting because my, you know, kids at our college, when it's out, when, especially when I'm about to go in, he's finding all these, productivity tools for them from task management to reminders to to elements to actually quiet your technology during certain times um to you know that are agnostic of platform which i think is some good and important and for me i think the you know the, i'm all, all about simplicity and and uh, even though i like to say it was a you know, tech driven and do tech enabled, you know, the, the integration of across platforms, I think is, is important for me, but I've noticed with particularly with, with uh, my son's about to go into school, it's, it's a finding a lot of these, they're not hacks. These are, you know, you know, whether they're plugins or whatever to, uh, to go into Chrome or whatever to really simplify. And, and I love element because, because look, I think there's a productivity hack we should talk about here or productivity aspect is social media and news and this whole onlineness of the world is a time suck. Yeah, big time. and and having something to force all that down because I think right now it's it's so easy. Even emails, you know, you feel like you got to be constantly on it, or you got it, or you see notifications. I've shut down, particularly during the, uh, as COVID started going, all my notifications, news notifications, except for, I forgot, major alerts or something on my phone and my computer, because I realized I was getting drawn into every single thing that was coming in. So now I'm like, I'm going to be, I'm going to force myself when I want that mm -hmm. stuff 
versus having these constant distractions coming at me. Are you inbox zero? Nah, you, no, that's, you, no. you know, there's always an idea out there that I want to, you know, <laughs> no, I, mean, like, I try to, I definitely try to, uh, by the end of the week, try to uh, make sure to get through um, them. And um, so, but yeah, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm sure you're an inbox zero guy. Uh, I try to be, uh, what's, how, let's, let's do this real quick. It's early oh, in the morning when we're recording this. Um, how many emails are in your inbox right now? Hold on. Let me look at my integrated email box. Yeah. Oh, you're not going to like it. 111 unread. 111 unread, but how many in there? Oh, geez. You know, I have no idea. <laughs> so um, is it like thousands? Oh yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. What I'm bad about, and th- this might be a little bit of a, of coming from public companies and all that, where there are so many retention rules on what you can delete or not for, you know, compliance reasons that I've, I've been conditioned right or wrong to, to not delete a lot of stuff because I, I was, I, there's so many rules where don't delete this, delete this, sure, don't do, you right. can't do that. That also I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let the system auto delete it. Now here's the problem. I'm no longer that I had to come, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> for my personal stuff, there's not an auto delete thing. So I need to right. go in and start doing that. But it used to be where like, I knew that after 90 days and they would follow the archive policy. But so yeah, that's, a, that's, that's, that's hurting me there. Yeah. But, uh, so I've got, I've got 16 in my inbox. I think five of which came in since we've been on this. So yeah. Um, and probably most of the rest overnight. So yeah, I definitely try to keep it down to, to zero when I can, but if not just a handful, yeah. Um, but I, but I use archive, which in, in Gmail, you, you can search archive just as easily. So it just moves that out of the inbox. Now, what's your, what's kind of your email clearing process? As soon as it comes in, you try to get to it. Do you have a certain time you allocate? No, I'm really bad about constantly looking at email. It's just, yeah, it's bad. Now I will tell you, um, things are over the last couple of years when dragon army moved to, um, Slack, um, I don't know, probably three or four years ago, my email clutter went, I mean, I get almost zero emails from dragon army, um, internally. It's almost all Slack. So that took, I mean, honestly, like 80% of my email went away, but no, I'm terrible about it. I'm constantly checking email, responding to things. Um, I'm conditioned that way because with um, growing your own business and especially an agency type business, um, you're always waiting for a yes from a client that you've been pitching or something. So like, that's so exciting. (laughs) It's like, you know, if today I know I'm going to, I'm going to be constantly checking because that could be a make or break type thing. So, uh, so anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm bad about that. Yeah. And that's, and that's part of me for the managing that is also trying to be good at, um, um designating you know which emails come to the top i mean that is one thing i have used like you know these names i need to know so they're going to kind of go into the higher um and and it's difficult um and this is where i think people need to know you could be disciplined but empathetic at the same time and so you know i think for me as we talk both talk about you know we have you said you have to say no more to stuff yep um but also being empathetic about it as well, too. I mean, I mm-hmm. think, um, you know, there's a strategy that you fit in. You know, you get asked for whatever, speaking engagements, going to certain meetings. It, and, and the other thing, too, is depending where you are in your career, I think um, a big, the most productive thing is how you use your teams as well. 
And, you know, yeah. and I, I tell you, one of the biggest, when I was a G years and years and years and years ago, going on to the early on to kind of a management training thing where they took you away to Crotonville, New York for three weeks for, for, for training. And, you know, they, you know, you're t- talking about 60 hour, you know, weeks, easy, yeah. uh, you know, in, in your roles and they take you and they warn you and said, look, you're going to have full schedules. And, you know, of course, your first inclination is when you're in the, you know, kind of corporate training center there, so you're just, you know, you spend literally three weeks straight there, is that you're trying to do both your day job and then the training. And then you come to the point where you realize you can't. But then you started trusting your teams to do certain things. You realize, you know, wow, this stuff is kind of resolving itself. That, that to me, was one of the biggest lessons uh, kind of yeah. early on in my career is you know and you also learned about some of your people who could not that's you know, right so there's a little bit of that but it also kind of created this bias of of uh delegation which i think particularly when you start getting into executive function or management function is so critical um and then understanding what you want to hold on what's the most thing you know hopefully you get people around you that are smarter than you but then what's the x factor you bring to certain equations and that's what you bring mm-hmm. to it and let other things just happen I imagine running organizations too. I think you have a good team around you that that's handling a lot of this stuff and you're not necessarily micromanaging it. That has to be a huge productivity gain for you. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Being able to delegate. Um, and you know, to your point, um, not jumping in to solve every problem. Um, sometimes people can figure it out themselves and stuff will naturally. So you're right. All those things are important. And as you think about how am I going to spend my time? What am I going to spend my time on? Um, you know, what's going to move the ball forward the most? Um, that's the biggest trick. And one thing before we uh, kind of go, um, is you, one thing that I know that since I've met you, you've been disciplined on, or you believe is a huge productivity gain is also this early, early mornings. Um, and I know from, I mean, you, you like to get up early and I mean, just talk a little bit about that. Cause I think mm-hmm. that's, and I've been trying to adopt more of that as well too. I'm a natural night owl. Yeah. How do you, how does the mornings kind of work with you? Yeah. Um, I've always been, I've always been wired for mornings and I always feel most productive in the mornings. Um, you know, as the day goes on and I've, you know, been, my mind's been jumping on different things. I, I feel like I'm a bit worn out by the end of the day, but I, I love getting up early when everything's quiet and, and knocking stuff out. Um, so that, by the time, you know, I have my first meeting at eight or nine, I feel like I've accomplished quite a bit. Um, it really fuels me. And I'll tell you, like, in the morning, if I knock my email down to zero and or let's say I, I put out a blog post or podcast, I, I feel charged up for the day. Like doing something really productive in the morning really helps me go. I will say on, on, on my podcast, um, as I've talked to people who I think have accomplished great things and have this great purpose in their life, honestly, more often than not, they're, they're, they're night owls like you. They're not morning people, mm, which always surprises really? me every time somebody's not. Cause I'm like, wow, these people are crushing it. Like you, like getting all this stuff done at a high level. And yet, they sleep, they sleep later, which is just baffles me. <laughs> it just is crazy oh, you know, me. it's funny you say that because I found, I seem to find a pattern around early morning, early rises, particularly around uh, kind of executive management at getting up early. And uh, so it's interesting. We, we should probably compare, you know, <laughs> you know, is it, is it right, an age thing? Is it, here's a thought, know? here's a thought. 
a difference that we've learned on this today yeah. is between the two of us is that um, I'm way more like OCD about email and productivity and, and yeah. organization around tools and all that. Um, and I get up early. I wonder if that's something that we find over time as, as we talk to people, like being more comfortable with the chaos a little bit, like you, like visual, maybe more versus yeah. I got to be straight lines and corners and stuff. Yeah. But I got to get up early. I wonder if that's something we find. It, it could be. And, and I think there's also accepting that. I think um, your organization is going to be different from my organization as well, too, right? In terms of uh, mm -hmm. particular productivity hacks yeah. as well. I think that's uh, different people have different elements. And also how you use your time can be different as well. Because cause here's the truth, too. I, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, it's not, I would not say is the best time for you know, emails and things of that sort for me, it might be some of the best time to do some writing. It might be the same yeah. time to do some sort of creating because, um, but the mornings, I a hundred percent agree with you. That is a time to crank out, um, you know, emails and get productive and kind of, you know, kind of deal into the kind of organizational stuff, especially in terms of kind of your core job. Um, so I think there's elements as well, too. And, I wonder, and look, we also have to admit we're a little bit of both of us are a little bit of workaholics as well, too. So I think yeah. this productivity hack is really about is. But that's is, because for us, work is in italics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. True. We love what we do. Right. Um, I will say one other thing that that now I'm, as we talk about this may be occurring to me is like. From, because I have been an entrepreneur, you know, always um, never worked. At a, at a real job other than like in, in high school and stuff. Um, I've always had to decide and figure out what I'd be doing at every minute of every mm. day. No one else ever told me this is what you're doing today. This is the meeting you have to go to today. And so I do wonder if because of that, you know, as a 21 year old starting my first company, I had to get organized and, and cause I, it was up to me if I didn't yeah, do you're it. Right. right? Um, I wonder if that's a thing too. Um, there could, I think you're, you're probably right. I think it's more anal about it. Yeah. Get more senior though. It becomes more important because the more senior you get, the more freedom you have. There's yeah, certain things sure. like, and even, even as an entrepreneur, right? You're, you have certain investor meetings, certain things you got to respond to um, no matter what. And I think even in the corporate world that happens. And as you get more senior though, you got to figure out how to fill the yeah. day. And this is where I learned this element. How am I going to spend percentages of my time? Because, you know, I remember going into a sales call or from one of my first kind of when I was running a business unit, kind of being president of the division and going, uh, being asked on a sales call and the sales people organize us it is up in the Northeast. And there's like these massive gaps of time between customer visits. And I'm like, yeah. and then I'm thinking about there is about a hundred things on my to-do list. And they just want to kind of, and the, the connectivity I get, but that's when I realized, oh, wow, okay, I need to, if I let the time, because, you know, you kind of want to, as a leader, you want to be available for your teams. Yeah. Hey, I, this is you, this is your two days. That's they kind right. of taught me that. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to have to give them structure what this means. This is your two days, but this is what I expect. I need yeah. to see 10 customers over the course of these two days. Um, I want to see, you know, may I have a town hall and do this. Because the thing is, though, I think there's always going to be a demand on your time. Always going to be a demand on your time. There's always something that's going to happen. If you don't put structure around that, it's just going to, you know, get away yep. from you. And and maybe we'll, we can end on this this story. Um, I think it was Jack Dorsey was speaking at a conference years ago. I mean, it could have been 10 years ago. But basically, he said that um, that when he first became, you know, CEO and his company was growing, um, 
he thought that the calendar of a successful CEO was boom all the way through, like locked, just busy like that. He thought early, like that shows that I'm crushing it. And I got to tell you, I was definitely that way um, for, for a long time. Like I would, I would feel complete if my week looked just boom back to back because I, I, in my mind I was being productive. And he said, as you become more and more of a leader, you have to have big gaps in your schedule because you don't know what your company will need from you during the week, what will come up, your team, you know, what, what problem you'll need to help solve. And so he very specifically now looks at his calendar and says, do I have gaps to make sure that I have the ability to adjust and react? Um, and, and I've ever since then, I've, I've tried to tailor my calendar that way. 100% agree. And uh, yeah, the, the time will get used and sometimes even more productively, right. but I, absolutely too. But you know, Thank you. Now, if you do what you love, you're always, and it's almost become somewhat more of a challenge as well, too, sometimes uh, for being disciplined, but I agree. Well, good, Jeff. Well, you know, definitely, if anything, we've learned that, uh, you know, some, <laughs> that I'm going to be in a new, uh, you know, project management platform for our show next week, probably. <laughs> yeah, you so will. that's, that's good to know. But, uh, but anyways, good. Well, this is great. I know I have a ton of respect in terms of what you do from a productivity perspective, because, uh, and I know if you, if you follow Jeff's, uh, uh, particularly his his blog, you know, he'll talk about the some specific technology as well too, including when he's frustrated about it. So make sure you <laughs> you follow. Uh, but yeah, so this is great, Jeff, and uh, make sure you um, also follow us on social media, make some comments, maybe talk about what some of your favorite productivity hacks are um, or productivity processes are in the comments below. So Jeff, good seeing you again. Yeah, you too, Alex. All right, thanks everybody. Make sure you follow us and subscribe, and thank you for. Uh, seeing us here on the Jeff and Alex podcast. Bye, everybody.